Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of the at-home edition of Just in the Nick of Time. And before we begin, I'd like to challenge everybody listening to do this simple task. Name three things, three unique things that happened in April 2020. Oh, God. Oh, God. Am I... I now have to do this? Yep. Name three things that happened that were unique to April 2020. Oh, like this can't be a thing that happens every year in April. This has to be a uniquely this happened. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. The draft went online. Yep. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, The last, Last Dance came out. I haven't watched it yet. That, the Jordan Doc. Good, good memory. I I've been watching it and I, I couldn't tell you when it came out, so <laughs> I I am almost certain that came out in April. Yes. I believe that was mid April since they do two episodes every week. And we're on episodes five and six this week, so yeah, that would have been mid April. And then uh the forty fifth president of the United States told us to inject Clorox into our veins. Dang. You'd That's the thing that happened this April. That, that was. <laughs> no further comment. That's probably not for this show. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that happened in April 2020, and it stuck out to me. I tell you what, folks, that moment kind of burned itself into my mind when I read about that like on Twitter. Like bleach in a bloodstream. Yeah. Um. If... <laughs> It really scalded me from the inside. <laughs> the NFL draft was all I had, so. Oh, seriously? Yeah. Like, my perception of time is just so off right now. Like, Yeah. Anything could have happened at any moment. Time is a flat you, circle. Like, nothing You could have told me the, the last dance came out late March, and I would have probably believed you for a second there. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I might be wrong. Now we have to look this up because I don't want to be super publicly wrong. When did the last... And it wasn't supposed to come out until this summer, right? Oh, no. Yeah, April 19th is when it came out. was the original release date. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, good for them. It just goes to show that all the time that most people are putting into post-production is just as unnecessary as we thought it was. (laughs) I mean, that's not even shade. That's just, like, realistically. Bro, I've yeah. seen Premiere Pro. Like, it's hard. And it's time-consuming. But it's not that hard. And it's not that time-consuming. Like, no, t- you have what? To factor, you have to factor in, like, Premiere Pro. Yeah, but I'm just... Is time-consuming because of the little things. Like... Just chopping stuff up, that's no problem. But if you chop stuff up and forget to add one graphic that's supposed to take one second, you're going to spend the next hour and a half rearranging. Yeah, absolutely. But I think the, the point of this to me is not that, like, this is an easy thing or this is a task everyone can do. But, like, if you chain video editors to a radiator in the basement of ESPN, there is no telling what they can do in a month. <laughs> Right? Like, if you withhold food and water until they've edited their scene for the day, you're going to get done real fast. 
And that children is how the last dance premiered three months early. Late stage capitalism, baby. I like that. Can we use that as our late stage capitalism sound effect? Because I feel like I say that an increasing amount on this show. (laughs) It pops up more than one would expect. So uh, I feel like it and then again, a it's a sports show, so of course it is. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what is sports if not the subjugation of other human bodies for capitalistic enjoyment? I understood like three of those words. Yeah, <laughs> let's talk about the draft, <laughs> <laughs> where people are literally bought and sold. Capitalism. So. <laughs> This year's NFL draft was the first draft ever held completely remote virtual from Roger Goodell's basement and the basement of hundreds of draft picks countrywide. And I got to tell you, I think with the circumstances, they did a good job making it a television event. Not a great job, but it was not a train wreck. And that both delighted me and disappointed me greatly. They have done a much better job than, like, late night of transitioning to Mm -hmm. at-home editions. They have done a much better job than this podcast of transitioning to (laughs) at-home editions. Shout out to Jimmy Fallon, though. His show has actually improved since it's gone home. Well, there was nowhere to go but up. His monologues are surprisingly less awkward with nobody else but him there. He is profoundly bad at comedic monologues, particularly when you consider that it is, like, a large portion of his job. I gotta tell you, though, his show's very watchable from home. The conversations seem less awkward since every conversation anybody's had for the past month has been awkward. So he blends right in. And I got to tell you, he's, he's the shining star of late night right now for me. I don't know. Kimmel shows boring from home. I've never found Colbert funny. So like, yeah, you're wrong about that. Colbert kicks Fallon's every day of the week. (laughs) I don't know why. I just don't, I've never found him funny. Even back to his pre late night days. It's just, Oh, the Colbert report is, Comedic gold. I adore the Colbert Report. I just don't get it. (laughs) Okay. I can't help you, man. I just can't. Do you like John Oliver? Because I feel like he's very, like, Daily Show Colbert Report. Oliver's, like, a good journalist, but occasionally... I find it hilarious because he spends all his time telling people he's not a journalist. Well, he tells the stories really well, but, like, his jokes mm-hmm. are, like, 50-50 on whether they land, basically. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I, most of the stuff on that show lands for me. I just feel like sometimes I think it's a bit... I don't want to say he's trying too hard, or it seems like he's not trying hard enough, and it's like, really, dude, that's your punchline out of all the places you could go with it? They, they all sort of follow the same formula of, that's like saying randomly specific scenario. And no, you can't do that, Jennifer. Yeah, that's fair. But, that's probably fair. But he does do a lot of interesting stuff. So I like him. Yep. 
Well, back to the draft. <laughs> yeah, um, back to the draft. I mean, things went about how we thought they would. Yeah, nobody got hacked, which was disappointing. Um, mm-hmm. We got to see a lot of people's houses, which I loved. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know how to talk about this in... I'm not sure I'm going to articulate this the way I wanted to. But I got very tired of being... There was a meme I saw on Twitter that I think sums it up really well. Where it was like, hey, guess what? The Baltimore Ravens just drafted Joe. Now we're going to show you every sad and terrible thing that's ever happened to Joe in his life. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, like if you oh, poke yeah. through everybody's life, there is a sob story somewhere. I don't understand why I have to hear about every single one of them. And one of the things that I felt was lacking because I was so busy listening to like, Joe's sob story was I didn't understand why certain teams were making certain picks. Mm-hmm. There were definitely times where the pick was in, but they weren't done with the sob story, so they had to hold off on the pick. Yeah, that was frustrating. But even more so, I felt like the formula was like, the pick is in, or like, like we hear the, the pick of this kid, we hear his sob story, and then if we've got the time for like 30 seconds before we hear the next pick and their sob story, we're like, hey, well, this actually makes a lot of sense for the Bengals. You know, they needed blank and now they've got it and he's going to work well with yada yada. And I wanted that to be longer and all of the sob stories to be either shorter or non-existent. Mm-hmm. Because I, I get that they were trying to show like the human aspects and stuff of these draft picks and get to show you the long road they've taken there. And like, well, I appreciate everything these men have overcome. I didn't feel like it was necessary and that not much of it stuck with me. Like it, right. like in the later rounds, uh, Washington drafted wide receiver Antonio Gandy-Golden. And on his little player profile, they had is learning to play guitar. And I've remembered that since the draft. I can't remember anything about somebody's dead parent. And, like, that's the stuff I'd rather know about these people. It, like, am I alone on that? Like, I need to know random facts, not, oh, Lord, that's terrible, you know? I think you might be alone in needing random facts, but I definitely don't think you're alone in needing to know something other than sob story, dead dad, sad, sad, sad days. Which, like, I get there's a place for it. It's important to recognize. It's also important to recognize that a lot of the people who like excel have come from harder backgrounds and harder lives. And I think there are lessons to be learned from that. I just don't know if the time to learn those lessons is in the middle of the draft sandwich in between like awkward Roger Goodell interactions with the remote. Oh, fans. he was so awkward. Jesus Christ. Uh, so I don't want to be insensitive, but what the, this man, I just don't know what the problem is. So I, I, we talked about this last episode. If you happen to miss it, I have never really sat down and watched the draft before. Um, not since like Justin and I were in like the second or third grade and he got me to. Sometimes I will watch like the first few picks of the first round until I switch it to a baseball game. 
but as we said last week, there was no baseball game this year. Um, so I, I watched a lot more of it, and I enjoyed it. I'm trying to parse whether or not I enjoyed it because, oh, thank God it's a communal experience, or whether I enjoyed it because, like, I was actually there for the content. But I think really I was just like, hey, everybody's tweeting about this. Everybody's talking about this. I know I get podcast about this. Like, this is a thing happening in the sports world. And I think that is what really made this draft more fun for me. Um, I still think that in the future I might watch a little bit longer. Um, I might pay a little bit more attention. But I am still absolutely flipping it over to a baseball game whenever baseball is back. <laughs> yeah. They're both good things to watch idly, so I might double screen it. Yes. Like, the NFL draft is prime to screen material in mm-hmm. any given year. And even this year, like, towards the, the later picks, I was, I was, like, playing a board game with my family while keeping an eye on the TV, you know? So that's sort of how I like to experience the draft, and I love it for that. That makes sense. To um, – to circle back to good old Roger Goodell. Yeah, I, I, I don't feel like we talked enough about just how bad he was given. This man, this... he talks like if you were trying to explain to an alien how like a human businessman would talk. <laughs> like he just, oh my God. You know how they're always like in, in PR and like um, public management, they're always like, you know, you want to be approachable. You want to make sure that people can feel like you, they could grab a beer with you. I, I, honest, I honestly think, and I say this with relative certainty, there is no one in the world, living or dead, I would less like to grab a beer with than Roger Goodell. <laughs> I just, I don't, oh God. He can't be that bad in person. Like, this man is a very powerful man in football. He controls an ungodly amount of power. He is wealthy beyond measure. Like, surely this man has some level of worth past just, like, the baseline worth you get for being a human being, right? Like, Like, surely he has accomplished things and made people like him and, like, done stuff. But, damn it, if it was impossible to see that watching that draft. I have a feeling that he just sort of goes into corporate mode whenever a camera is on. So, <laughs> oh, but I honestly like the parts of him that I remember from past drafts in person were less awkward and less clunky. Oh yeah, like when a a drafty would give him an extra big hug or something, he would seem to like generally be like, oh, <laughs> like like laugh along with them and show actual human emotions. And, and, right. and when they would boo him to his face and he would acknowledge it, you know, you could tell that sort of made him smile. But this year... God, it was so bad. The booing. terrible. The booing let me down so much. Like, the commercial was great. The fan montage was great. So I'm thinking, the NFL and Bud Light actually nailed it. We're, we're going to get to boo the commissioner. And then he's not even facing the fans. The fans are on a TV behind him with 12 boxes. And I'm not even sure this is a Zoom meeting, if they're live streaming or not. I have seen sort of proof from both camps 
of whether this was live or this was pre-recorded fan generic cheering. And mm. he would just turn to the TV of fans who likely weren't even booing. They were just like, yeah, woo, Broncos, number one. And he would be like, come on, let me hear it. You can do better than that. God, it was so bad. And then just awkwardly pivot his shoulders back to the front and mispronounce somebody's name. Yeah. Jeez, these names, like some of them are hard. I give you that. Poor little Roger. I will, I will see that some of these names, they're a little tricky, but like, this is your job. Can no one hand you a card with it spelled phonetically? Like, and just how do you be so involved for football in the past two, three years and not know how to say Tuo Tonga Vailoa? Yes, which that's admittedly I can't pronounce, but I'm a casual football fan and not the commissioner of the league for who he is one of the new poster childs. Yeah. Children. Poster children, poster children. Yes. <laughs> I've forgotten how to speak in quarantine. I apologize. But yeah, do you think he at least practice it in front of a mirror a few times? It, it looked like he did no prep. He just walked in front of the camera and was like, this is just reading off a card. And he had no clue what he was doing the entire time. Like, I, I get that people hate him. I get there are a lot of complicated and complex reasons to hate him. I get the players hate him. I get that he's overpaid. I, but, like, I just don't understand how you can have this job and be so bad at all of the things that must be core to doing this job, including public speaking. I don't get it. It just doesn't compute. Another thing that doesn't compute um, I'll have to rewatch the tape to be sure of this, but from the start of the draft to, until the end of the draft on the first round, a bowl of M&Ms appeared on Goodell's desk that was not there at the start. Oh, yeah. Did you notice one of the ESPN commentators was changing the album behind him? <laughs> Who was it? I don't, I don't know his name. Describe him. Uh, uh, he was the African-American gentleman. I think there's only Lewis one. Riddick. Lewis Riddick? Yes. But yeah, no, every time they pan back to him in like little Zoom call of like Kirk Herbstreet and other ESPN dudes. Mel Kuyper. Hairline is looking immaculate, Mel. Was Mel on there? I always zone out oh, whenever yeah. Mel Kuyper opens his mouth. <laughs> I like his analysis because whatever the opposite of what he says normally ends up being true. He just seems like an to me. <laughs> oh, I love it. I know. Absolutely. What's that? Oh, he absolutely does. And I love that. Like, how can one man get this uptight about NFL draft projections. <laughs> it's glorious. Like, this is the one weekend a year he has to do any actual work, and he's terrible at it. And he thinks he's great. And it's amazing. There's just some. Now that I think about it, Goodell and Kyler have wrong. very similar lives. <laughs> like, they get trotted out once a year to be incredibly wrong 
and incredibly bad at what they're supposed to do. And yet they both live in like insane amounts of wealth and relative celebrity. Mm -hmm. And everyone's just like, well, I guess you're smart because you're you. I guess what I'm saying is I want a job like that. Oh, yes. Easily. I just respect that Kuiper's been able to do his job for so long. Being and do it so he is. poorly. Yes. The man who said he would retire if Jimmy Clausen wasn't a Pro Bowl quarterback. Has anybody ever thought of Jimmy Clausen in other contexts besides that? I don't think so. I'm going to throw something out there. I have no idea who Jimmy Clausen is. You can show me a picture of Jimmy Clausen. I wouldn't know who Jimmy Clausen was. Precisely. I don't think I've ever heard that name before. He, he was like the biggest recruit coming out of high school. He went to Notre Dame. And of course, like biggest quarterback recruit, Notre Dame. The media just had a love frenzy with him. And he oh, was yeah. like mediocre to good at best in his years at Notre Dame. And, of course, they were talking, like, top five draft pick solely because of they hyped him up so much and yeah. they weren't going to let themselves be wrong about this. And he went, like, <laughs> late first round and did nothing. <laughs> wow. But the media still willed him to late first round. Yeah. Damn. And also, teams will do – will reach for quarterbacks like no other – like. Yeah, that's true. The fact that somebody somewhere says it's good, they're going first round. <laughs> um, speaking of quarterbacks, I thought one of the very few interesting storylines coming out of this was, I mean, A, holy crap, the Bucks are going to be stacked this year, but we kind of knew that coming in. Mm -hmm. um, which I think probably makes both of us equally uncomfortable. Um, yep. <laughs> and then also... I'm not uh, ready wow. emotionally the for the Bucks to be good. I know. It's, have they been good at any point in our lifetimes? Do we count 2003 as our lifetimes? I mean, not really. No, we were what, like four years old? Yep. They won a no. Super Bowl. I refuse to count that. In my living memory, how about that? Oh, no. Yeah. I, I cannot tell you the last time they made a playoff game. Yep. <laughs> but I would not at all be surprised if they do it this year. Nope. I, I think it's probably either because who else is in our division? It's just the Falcons, uh, the Saints. Falcons, Saints, Bucks, Panthers. I think there's a good opportunity. The South can get three in this year. You think that it's like very feasible that everybody winner, but the wild Panthers card, gets wild in. card. Yup, especially with the extra wild card that gives the NFC West a chance to get the second team in, or maybe the NFC North if the Vikings are up for the task again. So yeah, hmm. I think it's not out of the question that the South gets three playoff teams this year, but Falcon so seasons leave... are always a crapshoot. So, are you saying you'd go with? Everybody but the Panthers? Precisely. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, Tampa Bay, it's going to be interesting. I think the thing, the more like slow burn question I have is how the Packers handle mm -hmm. their quarterback situation now. Oh, gosh. I, Green Bay. 
Oh, Lord. Um, Go ahead. Aaron Rodgers is only 35 years old. Yeah. Like, that's old for an average professional athlete. But quarterbacks, especially superstar quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers, 35 is not the he's going to retire in two to three years. Let's draft his replacement for him to mentor now. Rodgers very well could have five, six, seven years left in him. Right. One of these two guys is going to end up screwed out of some time that their talent owes them. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's just how it is. Hear me out, though. I'm a, I'm a former recovering kind of, like, closet Colts fan. I was a big fan of them when Peyton was there, and I decided not to follow him to Denver and then regretted it. But <laughs> um, I'm – curious if people are getting more skittish about franchise quarterbacks after the Andrew Luck debacle. Hmm. Is there that point? Like, you know, like, and I think in personality before in situation in demeanor, Rogers and Luck are fairly similar guys, you know, both Mm -hmm. smart dudes, both really chill, both have things going for them outside of football. Neither of them, like, they both seemed, and this more Rodgers than Luck, but they both seemed like serious competitors. Uh, Luck was always a little bit, like, there for the ride, Um, which I think, as a Colts fan, was really frustrating because it's never fun to sit there and question whether or not your quarterback has the want to. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, that is an interesting point. I, I just really I think of it like that. But, yeah, because Rodgers does have an injury history, albeit not filled with concussions like Lux was. But, yeah, s- stars have shown past 10 years or so that they can retire any moment they want to in their primes. Like, right. not, not that they were forbidden and- from doing before so, but it's becoming more normal than it ever has before. But man, and, that doesn't mean sorry. I'm going to be less mad if I'm Rogers. Like, gosh. Oh, I'm pissed. I am royally pissed. <laughs> I don't even know. Like, wh- do I reasonably try and jump ship? And if so, where do I go? This is my nightmare because, scenario. Because do you know who is a team that's in the hunt for a quarterback? That has a lot of draft assets who could be God. traded. I swear to God, I hate you. Don't even say this. I, I lie in bed at night in fear of the situation. I think Belichick could make a run at Rodgers. Damn it! I hate that sentence with my whole being. Every part of me despises what you just said, and it's exactly the same thing I thought of. Because what does New England want to do more right now than say, you, Tom Brady, go ahead, run off to Tampa. You can't hack the Boston Winters. We get it. We've got our own new franchise quarterback that we just copped off of a franchise who we don't really have a rivalry. But, like, you want to talk about, like, two teams that can legitimately claim that at some point they've had dynasties Mm -hmm. and, like, kind of have legacy level beef, you know? Yes. It's those two. Mm-hmm. 
And you know who didn't draft quarterback this year? New England. Yeah. They, Which makes you think they got spot. something figured out. Mm-hmm. I don't, they thankfully don't have the money for Cam Newton, so <laughs> yay for yeah. that. But also, but, it's Robert Kraft, and the money could come out of the woodwork. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he could restructure a billion different contracts in the meantime and magically find oh, yeah. a, a max contract sitting on, <laughs> in his back pocket. All he has to do is sell more cheese <laughs> to buy a new quarterback. I cheese. honestly... craft cheese. Cheese heads. Rodgers oh, is going God. to the Pats. Oh, oh God. Rodgers to the Pats confirmed. Yup. That's, I'm it. that's all the big... evidence I need. It's going to be a poster board. I'm going to have like some thumbtacks and a string. It's going to be a slice of cheese and a picture of Aaron Rodgers and the cheese head. It's going to be... <laughs> that's my detective work. Okay, so I feel like Pat's fans are, like, disappointed in Brady, but understand. Mm-hmm. Man, Packers fans still haven't forgiven Brett Favre. No. And now they're going to get think, Brett Favre again. I don't think Aaron Rodgers will ever be able to, like, stick his head out in public in Wisconsin or even the upper Midwest ever again. If he demands a trade, that is. Also, like, isn't there an argument that he wouldn't have the leverage to demand a trade? That they'd just be like, nope, sit down, shut up. Either play football or don't. But we're not giving you to a different team? That could be too. Like, I don't know how many years he has left on his contract. That would be a a good thing to know beforehand, but I don't. So... Mm -hmm. (laughs) So maybe they're just going to wait until his contract's up and then slide the new guy in. But that's not always the best strategy. That's what New England tried to do years ago with Jimmy Garoppolo. They drafted him second round as sort of a guy for Brady to mentor. So when Brady retires, which they assumed at that point would be like 2016-17, then Garoppolo can pick up where he left off after a couple of years of Brady training him. Brady went on to win like two Super Bowls in the time span where they thought Garoppolo would be starting. So Garoppolo left and then leads, he doesn't, not exactly leads, but was the quarterback of a Super Bowl participant 49er team. So either way, one of the quarterbacks that they drafted is going to leave before Aaron Rodgers' career is over. Before his career is over, one of those quarterbacks will not be a Green Bay Packer. And I don't know who it is at this point. That all depends on if Aaron Rodgers is truly that good, where they, like Brady showed himself to be, where we have no choice but to keep you on our team and let our draft project go because you're just way too good to let go. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It, it's a mess. I, I honestly like just don't know enough to be able to ar- articulate mm-hmm. what I think is going to happen. Like, I'm just not, not there yet. True. 
it's such a such a crapshoot at this point. Absolutely, that's that's the whole point of the draft. <laughs> Nobody knows yep. anything. The points are made up, and the score doesn't matter. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but man, Roger Goodell was bad. So, <laughs> yeah, God, that was terrible. Well, I'd say that about wraps up the draft coverage. Yeah, I can't. I can't think of anything else about the draft. I really thought we desperately needed to cover. Yeah, we uh, we should be set on the draft. What's next? So, as I've as we've mentioned on this show, it's been we've been quarantined for what feels like an unspecified amount of time, given just how it's gone out the wayside. So. Just how right. have you been f- f- filling this time of don't go outside? Well, so I was doing pretty good until this week because the state considers me an essential worker, which is fun. Essential uh, workers gang. Oh, yeah. You're an essential worker too? Yep. Hell yeah. Nice. So I have been going to my job at the Lincoln Journal Star. Please subscribe. And uh, that's been fun and was good to get me out of the house, but because um, we've uh, cut back or we've had such aggressive cutbacks in ad revenue over the past, you know, few weeks, um, we expect a pretty slow second quarter. So everybody at the papers had to go on furlough um, for two weeks during the second quarter. And this is my first week of furlough Um, this past week that we've just gotten done with. I go back on Monday and oh my God, have I been bored. Dear Jesus. Um, So uh, things I have been doing. Um, I'm sure we will talk about Tiger King. It feels mandatory. I feel like every sports reporter in the nation has just become a Tiger King correspondent instead. I have plans for that in an episode. Mid-episode? No, not this episode. Because you know how we've never got to Crazy Crab? And that's been a chopping block story for a while. And then yeah. we texted back and forth about the drama of mini horse versus pony classifications. And then there's yeah. Tiger King. So I just think we just need one more random animal story. We could just make that an episode of just random animal stuff. Huh. That's my plan. I love it. Yes. I adore it. I can't wait. And you know what we'll do? We'll get a Patreon and we'll make it a Patreon exclusive. Because <laughs> that feels like what a real podcast would do. <laughs> make their best episode ever and then never let anyone listen to it. We just always refer to that episode. Over $5 to do a podcast. <laughs> We just constantly reference that episode in future episodes like it was the best thing ever, but no one's going to hear it because of a paywall. Right. I just hope that eventually we get one person to break down and go through the paywall. And it's like three minutes long and not that good. (laughs) It's like, so animals are kind of weird. Guess so. Yeah. I mean, the title's going to have to be Lions and Tigers and Mini Horses, Oh My. Lions and Crabs and Horses, Oh My. I like it. 
Wait, the lions have crabs? Poor lions. Crabs and lions and crabs and tigers and horses, oh my. <laughs> See, but I feel like that can even imply that both the tigers and the horses have crabs. Okay, but it's not the disease and it's not the an actual animal. It's a person in a crab costume. So <laughs> Oh god. That might be worse. Uh, yeah, I cannot wait for that okay. to well, talk I'm about excited. crazy crab. Subscribe to our Patreon. That may or may not ever exist. And if it does, it ain't gonna exist soon. So No. <laughs> Alright. So what so what have you been doing in quarantine? Yeah, um, so I have been playing I got Xbox Game Pass as soon as this thing started, because I knew I was gonna need that. Um, which has been cool. I've gotten to try a lot of games that I wouldn't have like bought myself. But now that I'm like on games Netflix, I'll try them. And some of them have legitimately been the best games I've ever played. So I know you mostly play sports games. Um, yep. Game Pass has a few of those. I tried 2K, NBA 2K20. Mm-hmm. I have never been able to get as into 2K as you. I just, yeah, because... Well, I have a very weird way of playing 2K that not a lot of people do, so... Right, which is, like, throw together, like, made-up teams, right? Absolutely. That's that's how I've been spending my time, is devoting an ungodly amount of time to my made-up NBA 2K league that I've been sort of trying to manage for, like, 10 years, and this is the most time I've ever had to work on it, and, yeah, I've... I've written detailed scouting reports on teams that don't exist. So, like... (laughs) I love it. I adore it. Um, What else have I been up to? Um, I bought Stardew Valley because I didn't want to break down and buy a Switch and buy Animal Crossing, but it seemed like fun to, like, grow plants and chill out in a video game. So, Stardew Valley is, like, similar to Animal Crossing. For legal reasons, we're going to need to uh, specify that what type of plants these are. That cause you to chill out. Oh God, no! I've seen mods where you can grow marijuana, but no, I am not growing marijuana in a video game. I have considered those mods, but it's hard to mod on a Mac, and that's the only thing that's stopping me from growing ganja in this little farming simulator. It's pretty great. I really kind of want that mod, but it is what it is. Um. I watched uh, I watched The Last Czars, which was really good on Netflix. It's like a historical series about the last czars of Russia and the Bolshevik Revolution. Um, Shout out Russia. They're good at naming things. Czars, Bolsheviks. They really are. Yeah. Um, Peaky Blinders. I'm still working on that show. That one's real good. And I watched this before. I guess it was early quarantine. But um, everyone should go watch the um, the English game, if especially if you like soccer. Really, really good. Same guy who did Downton Abbey, but it's a totally different feel. So, <laughs> heck yeah! And then uh, I found this dumb little app called Tap Sports Baseball. Oh my gosh! I used to play that. It's. I played like the 2018 version and I took a year off and now I'm back and I'm literally playing it as we speak and I can't stop. 
and I wish I could. But here we are. I'm an addict. Hi, my name is Nick, and I'm admitting I have a problem. Yep. It's bad. I've been playing an unfathomable amount of True Skate. It's the skateboarding app. And I don't know what it is about skateboarding games, but I can, like, play those for as long as I can, like, physically can, without getting sick of it. Skateboarding games are so much better than actually skateboarding. Oh, easily. Because you're not bound by the laws of physics in these things. I can just swipe my board and I'll do whatever. Like, yep. I'll just watch it spin around a bunch of times. And, like, I, I listen to podcasts while I do it since, like, my podcast listening habits are kind of weird since quarantine. Like, podcasts are things a lot of people listen to while they're doing other things, other productive things. And right. I really haven't had anything productive to do, so I just listen to it as I kickflip my way into oblivion. And hell yeah, that's how I spend 90% of my time. What podcast you listening to right now? Uh, a lot of Dan Levitard's show. Ah, uh, I need to and start that one. I love it. It's. I heard a rumor he might get the axe. Yep, I've heard that too. How are you feeling? Yeah. Gosh, um, they addressed it on the show, and Dan and the whole like crew have two and a half years left on their contracts. So mm-hmm. I guess now's not the time to worry about that. And um, is what they like sort of reassured their audience. Hmm. And I guess if the show were off ESPN, it is like, I believe their most popular radio show. So it would find a home somewhere. But my main worry with that, like I'm not worried that the show as a whole is going to get canceled, but just so much of the show and if you'll listen to it, you'll know is that the whole uh, thesis of how the show works as well as it does on ESPN is Dan doesn't like to play ESPN's game and like he'll try to get away with as much as he can. And then the rest of them, his crew will like try to get him back and like, like keep him in check almost. That's a big part of the show. Dan. Can you give me an example? Um, so when, so whenever they feel that Dan's getting a bit too on his high horse politically and is saying stuff that could get him in trouble, they pl- they swear it's completely random when they do this, but they play the magic creative content music or just play some like <laughs> random game show theme song and then they whip out a hat with a bunch of shower thought questions in it and just draw Dear one God. and talk about that for the rest of the segment. <laughs> Wow. So that's like the most obvious example of how this show works. I sort of compare it to like, if you've ever watched Gravity Falls on Disney, like... I know you have. Well, if you've watched it, you know, they got away (laughs) with a lot of stuff that most Disney cartoons and most Disney shows really don't get away with and just shouldn't even try. But... What do they do? If you listen... It's very violent, very strange, and just a lot of occult symbolism makes its way in. So, Oh, really? <laughs> Love that. Yeah. Love that for them. If you've listened to interviews with their creator, 
he said that he would just try all of these crazy things and then Disney would have to allow some of some of them to get in just at the purpose of keeping his larger crazy ideas out. So that was just fun. Part of the fun watching the show. And I like, love it's that. such a good show. It's such a good show in its own plot and everything else. But part of the fun was just seeing what the heck he could sneak in there. And now great. that show has ended. Hirsch has a deal with Netflix to make his a new cartoon show with no barriers whatsoever. And Oh yeah. And I don't know how that's gonna turn out if there's no mallet whomping him on the head and he can do whatever he wants. I think would that be creatively great and probably hilarious? Yes, but it almost sort of ruins the fun of what made Gravity Falls. So that's my thoughts on the situation. That's interesting. Like the fun of Gravity Falls was sitting back and saying that how is this a Disney show? Oh yeah. You'd say that at least two to three times an episode. Nice. Um, yeah, I feel like, have I told you to watch BoJack? I'm sure I've told you to watch yes. BoJack. Okay. Watch BoJack, damn it. <laughs> you would really like it. Because BoJack does, like, the boundary thing, but with, like, societal norms. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Like, I have a huge to-watch-to to to list. And uh, here's the thing. I haven't got to any of it yet. Um, God damn it. I know. Oh, that's frustrating. Uh, NFL Game Pass has sort of been my main source of entertainment. Is that what you're watching those, like, old o- games old, Yep. I've been watching some of my favorite Falcons wins, some of my favorite Saints losses. <laughs> wow. But that's not the most desperate I've got got to take a look at anything that resembles live sports. Transition, transition, transition. Um, oh, at what nice, at one point I was watching nicely done, a, bud. At one point I was watching a YouTube live stream of two guys playing darts from their home. So Oh god. Oh sweet. That's a close no. match. <laughs> Oh, God. I mean, that's fair, because I watched a marble racing. So, so how's the marble racing going? They're showing that on uh, ESPN later tonight. They are? Yeah. It's oh, my God, this day. is exciting. And right okay, after, they're so showing I'm... the sign-flipping championships. Like, you know those guys with the big old arrows? And they spin them? Oh, God, not them. Yeah. They're on right after. How is this a... God, what a world we live in. (laughs) This is the worst consequence of the coronavirus. (laughs) Oh, God. Um... I can't. I can't do this. So there's a thing, and I've talked excessively on this show about how much I've fallen in love with Formula One over the last year. There's a thing, and get this, it's called Marbula One. And um, they're these guys, I have no idea who they are or where they're from, but they build these marble tracks, and then they run qualifying with different marbles, 
And then they run with a different race marbles. with different marbles. So there's a difference in the quality of marble between. Do you want to know something, Justin? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> they all look about the same. Some look a little bigger. Some look a little smaller. From what I can judge, the bigger ones are like higher risk, higher reward. Because like it's more likely that it can like push other marbles out of the way and also has like obviously more gravitational pull to get to the bottom of the track. However, it also is more likely to get caught up on things. Ooh. So the ones that to me look slightly larger seem to get into more trouble, but also make more overtakes. I don't know how to describe the experience of watching this and how it makes me feel about sports in general. But I'll just say this. I was alone in my house the other day. I moved out to Hickman to help with the horses and um, I was hanging out because everybody else was either at work or the boys were at their grandparents and I was screaming at my phone at a marble, you know, a rolly glass rock. I was screaming at one of those at the top of my lungs. Cut to the inside, you must take the inside. And it was then when I realized I had a problem. Like, I just, I had to stop because I just, I don't know what it is about the dopamine, like, you know, producers in my brain that like are so obsessed with sporting events and like the format of sporting events and watching sporting events and, and the feel of it. But God, like this just scratched an itch of like, I don't know what's going to happen. I have picked this marble. Go green ducks, by the way. That's my team in Marbula one. And like, Sco I ducks. Picked, Sco ducks. I have picked this marble and like, this Marvel will win. But the thing is, like, when I'm yelling at, like, Daniel Ricardo or Lando Norris or Carlos Sainz, like, those are people who, like, ostensibly have control over what's happening, are making the turn themselves, are, like, making decisions as they go. This Marvel does not have the capacity to understand that I care what it does because it, it doesn't exist. Like, I just don't know why. Like, the whole time I was telling myself, like, this is stupid, this is stupid, this is stupid, but it felt so good to watch a sporting event, even if it was the stupidest sporting event in the world. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I both recommend and do not recommend um, Marble the, uh, the Marble One World Championship. What is kind of cool if you're like sort of a Formula E fan, like I am, is the fact that Formula E, since the shutdown, has sponsored these Marble people, and they have now picked out marbles with the colors of all of the teams. And can the Green Ducks join Formula E next year? <laughs> Wow, I can't believe you told the public of my plan, Justin. Oh, I really... yeah, I, I called it. God. <laughs> no, I, so. Sco <laughs> Ducks. Sco Ducks. No, I low-key think that it would be super fun to, like, 
throw together a bunch of randos and make a stock car team in Nebraska? Because I looked into what it requires. You know what it requires? What? A car and a helmet. I have one of those things. I can find you a helmet. And then you just, like, pay the entrance fee and you get to dirt race and you bring your crew and it's like, you know. What's the entrance fee? It's pretty cheap. It's like $50. I can look it up again. But it does not seem that hard to get into the, like, I mean, we obviously wouldn't want to use one of our cars, so we'd like probably hey. buy a cheap one. But they're mailed, they're built to be cheap and built to crash. So like, I mean, I've got an Impala that that describes it perfectly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I've been watching Marvels. I don't know how to feel about this. God, God help us all. How are we going to get through this, man? Like. The Premier League says that they're coming back, but they don't say when. NASCAR is starting up in July. But I could also see NASCAR going really poorly and a bunch of people dying because of it, which would then push back sports even further. My my whole thing with this is, like, the first two weeks of this, I read up as much as I can frequently every day about when are these things going to come back, what are the plans, what is what are they angling to do and for like the past two weeks month time is not important i just have not been looking for that in the news like yeah i turn on the tv and sports are on i'll turn on the tv and sports are on i want to be surprised i don't want to read nothing like okay well sorry i gave you that update (laughs) no it's good if if i come across it i come across it but i'm not going to seek it out basically I've definitely been seeking it out. The frustrating thing is nobody knows. I know, like, are we in the planning stage? Are we in the F it, let's cancel it stage? Or are we in the there are no bad ideas phase? I I think we are definitely in the no bad ideas phase. Yeah, because just in the straight, you know, blips that I've been catching, um, the NBA is considering playing the season out at Disney World. Uh, the MLB has thrown out the idea of a double el- elimination tournament starting in August as the whole season and playoffs all in one. I don't think you can call it the World Series. Like, just don't have it, but don't call it the World Series at the end. But I actually really like that idea. Yeah, me too. God, that would be kind of fun. That it's like so Major fun. League Baseball goes college World Series. I know. And, Anything sorry. That baseball does that's not that is going to make me disappointed. If I <laughs> consider the fact that, like, pitching rotations would be so much different than normal. Mm-hmm. Like that would super favor teams with like two good starters and nothing else. Oh yeah, because which I love. Could. Mm-hmm. Because you could end up playing, like, ten series as a ball. Or two. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, like, when teams, when teams, like, go into the loser bracket and they're, like, mm-hmm. up against the wall, they're going to go, you know, hell-bet for leather to win that game. Oh, absolutely. Because think about how much more revenue you're going to make if you play more games. Mm-hmm. And 
I'm not clear if it's a single game for each round or if it's like a three game series or what have you. But I would imagine it would be like I guess the College World Series is single game. Is it single game all the way through? Uh, I believe the very either the the finals or both the finals and semifinals are two out of three. Oh yeah. See, I think it makes sense to go. I mean, how many teams are in Major League Baseball? Thirty-two. Thirty. If oh, we start third. in August, I, I think I think we could two out of three it a double elimination and finish up around late October. Yeah, what? Because the thing is, you want a lot of those games to be on the front end. Because mm-hmm. I was thinking, what you'd normally want to do is like slowly ratchet up. And be like one game, three games, five games, seven games. Yeah, that's not a bad idea either. Here's the thing. Now you're dealing with both like the top bracket and the loser's bracket. So then, okay. Well, this is true of both. So if I have a series against, like let's say the Sox play the Orioles and the Yankees play... Um, the Rays. Let's say the Orioles lose that series and the Rays lose that series. Do those two, assuming they're in the bracket and would hit each other, then go play a best two out of three? Or do they just play one game in the loser's bracket to move on? I, I like the one game idea for that. I'd say... Oh, yeah? I'd say two out of three for the first round. And then once you get into a loser's bracket... It's one game for your life. Not only would that make the loser's bracket must watch every time, but it would give the winner of the loser's bracket some extra days of rest and end up making the postseason results a whole lot more random than they'd be otherwise. Yeah, but other teams would about that randomness. But if the regular season is the playoffs, I, I don't think you have a right. Oh, yeah? Like, I assume the seeding would just be random if there are no, if there is no regular season to determine the playoffs. I assume it would just be random. And since there's an odd number of teams in each league, there'd have to be at least one interleague series going on. I, I propose, like, Sox, Cubs, or, like, have some Subway series going. I like Sox, Cubs. My first thought was Yankees, Mets. Yeah. The Yankees and Mets need to play more often. Mm-hmm. I would I cheer like for the, the Mets. Idea. What's that? I don't like the idea of, like, Yankees beat the Mets and uh, you have to play through the NL side of the bracket. That wouldn't seem right. Well. <laughs> I, I could, I, but then again, I'm very, very biased. Okay. Let's throw and this I assume Cubs here. fans would feel the same way. Oh, absolutely. Because, Yeah. But I guess they'd play through the AL side, respectively. But mm-hmm. here's my thing. If, first of all, we're presuming that we still care about the National League and the American League, what I would say is let's just randomize it. And if you don't like that, screw you. And everybody's using a DH because there's two types of baseball, the National League and correct. Oh. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, like, the DH is the best thing to happen to baseball spherical objects. 
but Bartolo Colon batting. That's my I, counterpoint. No, no one wants to watch a pitcher's hit. I what? do. Well, okay. Not, no one in their because right it makes mind. the game better, but because it makes it funnier. It does make it funnier. I will absolutely admit this to you. But they're so bad. <laughs> I know. <laughs> God. I like the way it's set up currently. Like, I, I, I like watch the idiosyncratic, like, most of the year. And uh-huh. I like dipping my toe into pitcher sitting every now and then. Yeah. Or yeah. compromise. We have the DH, but the DH has to be the starting pitcher, or at least pitch an inning. No. <laughs> no, because I'm not gonna not gonna cede any ground to you on the DH thing. Okay. Just, like, don't even try. My favorite player of all time was a designated hitter. I I am not going to get on the DH in any way. Okay. You know what? I'm just I still have flashbacks to when we played the cards in the World Series and David Ortiz had to play first first base and every time we threw somebody out at first, I had to get nervous because I was just convinced he was going to drop the ball. So like I had to watch my hero just like stumble through rudimentary baseball fundamentals that he hadn't done and since he was like a 12-year-old kid in the Dominican. <laughs> and it was horrifying and I hate it. And as much as I think it is a little bit charming that both leagues have different rules around the DH, I like DHs. I don't like watching David Ortiz try and field grounders. <laughs> Long live the designated hitter. <laughs> I... No, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I super like the whole, like, everything's a playoff format. Oh, yeah. Especially for baseball. Because high-stakes baseball the... is what makes baseball. Right. Well, I... See, and I have a different approach to baseball than most people. Mm-hmm. Like, I very much see it as quality background noise. Oh, it is. I even think, like, when I go to the park to see a baseball game, I have to go with people that, like, I want to talk to about things that are not baseball, or I have to really care about the game I'm going to see, you know? Because I'm, like, baseball is, as much as it is a sport, an excuse to, like, sit in the sun and enjoy the afternoon. That's almost as true for the players as it is for many of the spectators, I think. Oh. Like, you know what? You're telling me that, like, right fielders aren't just there for the right in the major leagues, too? Like, nope. They're here to catch one ball a year and hit. Yeah. Like, I am a firm believer in in the philosophy that any any couch potato average Joe who says, who looks at something on – any sporting event and says, I could do that, is out of their minds, except when it comes to playing right field in the majors. As long as I wouldn't have oh, to yeah. hit, I'm not talking I could about survive a game and not get cut. If, you think if, that hitting, you could survive one game and not just get instantly cut? No. 
I said if I'm not hitting. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, so if one Yankee game this year, they stick me out in right field, they have th- their normal right fielder bat for me, and the hitter at the plate sees me as the normal Yankees right fielder. So there's, like, from their perspective, I'm Aaron yeah. Judge, even though I'm me. I could survive a game and not have anybody question it. I don't know if not anybody would question it. Okay, people will question it, but I wouldn't get cut from the team. And, and, I w- and Aaron Judge would start the next game at right field. Like, if, if oh, it was saying, the right pitcher think, on the right I, day, I'm not saying any game, but if I had enough opportunities, I could have one game where I would survive. Yeah, I mean, I guess I give you that. Like, in a perfect, perfect world, you could probably make it happen. Mm-hmm. If I had 162 opportunities to have a passable game in right field, I think I could do it at least once. And we're only talking fielding. This is not you only even fielding. attempting to stand in the batter's box. I am never touching a bat in this whole scenario. This is only fielding and only me okay. praying to Jesus that the ball does not get hit my way. Well, sure, because in one, 162 games, in at least one of those games, the ball's not even going to come to right field. Yeah. Like, I just need to look like I'm backing up the first baseman a couple times, and that's it. Even then, are they going to notice? No. Right, like the Yankee scouts aren't going to notice. The commentator might be like, huh, right fielder's having a bit of a, uh, you know, Brain laps yeah. over there, but like, who cares? Mm-hmm. We got the guy out. Who cares? Like, yeah. the The biggest problem would come, like, I just don't think, like, you think about how fast the base runners are. Yes. So let's say a ball does come to you. Oh God. Let's say that at some point in this game, a baseball needs to be hit in your direction. Let's be generous and say, I mean, like, I probably trust your ability to catch a major league pop fly. Those cannot be going that much faster than a regular pop fly. I would hope. I'm not talking about, like, a long ball that you need to catch. I'm talking, like, a pop fly that's, like, right behind the first baseman. Okay. And let's just assume. And I go, I got it. I got it. Voight gives me room. Like a true pop-up. I trust that, like, both of us could probably do that. Okay. <laughs> but, like, let's say it's a grounder that gets past the second baseman. Closer to you than it is center field. You need to, A, see a major league speed grounder coming at you that fast. B, position yourself correctly. C, get the glove down. D, get the ball into your glove. E, not panic. You know, F. Grab the ball. G, not panic. H, throw the ball faster to first base than a major league hitter can run. Like, I give you a 50% chance to get an error and maybe, maybe a 20% chance to actually throw the man out. I am not throwing that man out. Like, from the outfield? You kidding me? Yeah. No, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to prevent a triple here, okay? I don't care how good team that ground <laughs> ball is. I like the idea of you just automatically trying to beam it to 
third base. <laughs> Just like seating second and being like, what the hell? This is absolutely a single level or ground out level hit. But you go ahead and take that double, pal. <laughs> like, we just don't want you to score. Yup. <laughs> God, I love that. Because number one, it's a miracle if I field it off the hop. And number two, if I do field it, I don't have the arm strength to get it there unless I underhand it. And, like, I'm not going to underhand it in a major league game. Right. So like, I'm going to, like, three-hop it to the cutoff, man. And then he's going to have to prevent that triple. <laughs> oh, my God. So the first Major League Baseball game I ever went to was Cubs. I'm actually wearing the hat I got from it today. Uh, Cubs-Rockies at Coors Field. Uh, my dad's side of the family are big Cubs fans. I am a great disappointment because I decided not to suffer with them, and I actually picked a team that has won a, you know, several World Series in the time that I've been alive. Uh, and also a few more <laughs> in the time before I was alive. So I, I, I copped out and picked a good team. But I'm still kind of, like, the, the Cubs are definitely my NL team. But this is, what year was it? It would have been, like, I think I was 13. So it would have been, like, 2012. We went to Denver to see a Cubs-Rockies game, Coors Field. And the game is um was almost historic because it was one hit short of being the most hits against the cubs in the history of the cubs organization oh wow yeah the rockies had like like 35 hits it was insane oh my uh, it it was an absolute blowout it was painful. Um, so the Cubs have this kid whose only job is to run back and forth between the bullpen and the dugout. I don't know if the Cubbies just don't trust phones. I don't know if they like, don't know that phones exist. Um, maybe at this point, like, they hadn't won a World Series in so long, they forgot time was passing. I don't know. I don't know. But there's this one kid in this Cubs windbreaker whose only job it is to run back and forth. And he's a bigger dude. But, damn, he was hauling it. And all I could think the entire game is, like, he is just running as fast as he can back and forth both times. And I'm like, I wonder how this guy would do if you put him into a game. <laughs> like, could he even survive the experience of, like, playing right field? And I'm talking hitting, too. Like, could a mere mortal, like, or would we just die of fright and embarrassment? Can you imagine a fastball coming at you at 90 miles an hour? No. S- seeing that 70 in the batting cage is that... Adventure golf is scary enough. God, yeah. And and that and you know that's going same spot every time. Major right. League balls are unpredictable. If, if if I saw a ninety mile an hour number one, I wouldn't see it because I couldn't fathom looking yeah. at a thing going that fast. And right. number two, these guys can curve it. They can throw a hundred mile an hour curveball now. 
I'm not even scared of the curveball. Knuckleballs defy the laws of physics. Major League Knuckleballs hurt my eyes to watch on the television. Ah, God. It's scary, man. Another baseball hypothetical here. Sure. Do you think you could be a pinch runner? No, I'm absolutely not fast enough to be a pinch runner. Like if, but let's say they put you on first base to start every inning your team was batting. And let's say in this world, nobody hits up. Just assuming that I get walked every time. Yeah. For some reason, they intentionally walk you every time you're on first base. And let's give you, Mm -hmm. I don't know, whole season, I don't know how many games you want, but, and let's say nobody hits a home run. So any run you would score would be on a ball in play. How many runs do you think you would score in like a season? Hmm. That's a good question. Every, so we're just assuming that every time I get up to bat in the order, I get walked. Like they just, yes. they're so scared they refuse to pitch to me. Mm-hmm. They think you're Barry Bonds, so they just walk you. Side note, that John Boy's Barry Bonds oh, video. Oh, excellent. Mind-blowing. Have mm. you been watching the Mariners stuff? Oh, yeah. I really love the Mariners good. stuff. I haven't watched the AG Ichiro yet. But I, I have not to. either. But, yeah. yeah. New one came out, like, yesterday. But, um... Mm. Oh, God, that's hard. I'm stalling because I don't... So what? We're presuming I get, like, four at-bats a game. Four at-bats a game, yes. By 162 games. Mm-hmm. I think I score an eighth of the time. Hmm. Like, I think I find... First of all, you have to consider how many times my team's likely to leave me stranded. Yes. That's got to be at least half of innings. Easily. I'd say far more than that, even. Oh, Yeah. Of the times that I'm on base, I trust myself to jack it up. Okay, now, are we presuming that this is just like Nick with Nick-level knowledge right now? I get no coaching throughout the season. No one is explaining to me how to do this. Yes, on, like, any given night, you appear to the coach as a baseball player they've been coaching, but when you get on the bases, you're you, and nobody thinks... Oh, God. Of you as you. They think of you as whatever baseball player you're taking the place of. Barry Bonds, who's getting walked every single time he gets to the plate. Yes. Um, Yeah, I still think... I mean, so in some respects, a lot of the time, it's going to be really hard to jack up. Even if Mm -hmm. no one's hitting home runs... Like, I would definitely have to run it really conservatively. I would never be able to stretch, like, a single to third. I would always end up at second, you know? Yes. I'm taking every base I can get. (laughs) Oh, oh, you mean you're going to try and, like, stretch two out of it? No, I'm I'm going one bag at a time. I am not taking no chances. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to second. I'm turning around and seeing if the hitter behind me is moving towards me. And if not, like, I'm going to fall down onto the bag and hold it like it's my childhood. Like, 
But yeah, I mean, like, and I think an eighth of the time, it's impossible to fuck up. Mm-hmm. I think the rest of the time, if Prince Fielder can do it, right. Well, and I'm thinking of like, and I love him, but like Pablo Sandoval. Kung Fu Panda. Great baseball player. Not a real good base runner. <laughs> like, just does not exactly move gracefully. <laughs> um, which is one of the things I love about baseball, is, like, you can have literally any body type and play that sport. Oh, yeah. And it's really one of the only sports I feel that's true of. That and golf. I, I don't think you can be an elite golfer now you cannot be like Tiger Woods good and be like a bigger dude. You lose so much flexibility and range of motion. Yeah, the sport of golf has kind of changed a little bit to where you don't see as many bigger guys. Well, yeah. I mean, like even Nicholas was still winning majors when he was getting pudgy. Patrick Reed, he's not exactly a... yeah. But are you going to look at me and tell me that Patrick Reed is an elite level golfer? I mean, you can be a really good golfer and be a bigger dude. Reed mm-hmm. is Kalki Avecchia, the guy I'm thinking of. Maybe. Uh, Col- Colin Montgomery. Um, my, my mind just goes to that guy we took golf lessons from at Eger. Scott. Yeah. Squeaky. Yeah, he got fired for embezzlement, I think. Beautiful. If that's not a childhood in Lincoln, Nebraska, I don't know what it is. <laughs> like everyone you look up to as a child gets caught for fraud. <laughs> that is the most or, or worse. I wish all of them were like caught for fraud because there's a lot of people I do and look up to who like ended up in prison for much worse than fraud. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, the Midwest. Here's my question. What the hell was Scott embezzling from Acre Golf Courts? Let me look it up. All right. This is from Lori Pilger in 2017 of the Lincoln Journal Star. Subscribe to our paper, people. Again, Tuesday, inter- or, I'm sorry, a judge Tuesday entered a judgment for the city of Lincoln against former Holmes Golf Courts. Pro Scott Weehy and Holmes Golf Incorporated. So he didn't do it at Agri, he did it at Holmes. Oh, the that complaints makes it that the city entered into several contracts. It's less fun because it's not the junior course for sure. Mm-hmm. So the city, oh, apparently enters contracts with Holmes instead of actually using city money directly, which agree oh. in exchange to provide food and beverage services, merchandising, golf services, and hire employees. On September 14th, 2015, the city and Holmes Golf agreed to terminate their agreement due to issues with the financial management of the golf course. The city started receiving notice from several vendors for goods and services that hadn't been paid. The city paid the outstanding bills, then learned we had submitted duplicate reimbursement requests for services and was paid twice in some instances. The city sought repayment from him. We, he didn't appear at a hearing last month. On Tuesday, Lancaster County <laughs> District Judge Darley Ideas Entered a judgment against him as Home Golf Incorporated for 
$21,879.97. Gotta have the 97 cents in there. Oddly specific. So let's see if he actually... He files suit. I, I like Let me the see. mystery of doing fried out of junior course better than the truth. Oh, yeah. That's, that's way more turn. Oh, whoa. Okay. So the year before, they announced that issues had been resolved. And mm-hmm. then they said, what the hell? And decided to file a suit against him anyway. <laughs> Glorious. Oh, Okay, here we go. The Lincoln Police Department did an example, uh, did an examination by the accounting firm of BKD. That release said we he did not capitalize on the situation, but still owed nineteen thousand five hundred eighty-nine dollars and seventy-two cents. Seventy-two cents. Ooh. <laughs> the suit also said we he's company, Holmes Golf Incorporated, and we he had submitted yep yeah, duplicate invoices and was quote unjustly enriched due to the city's reinforcement of those invoices that were not paid to vendors. Ooh, Ooh boy. Wow. Good for Scotty. You had a good run God there, bless pal. Him. <laughs> yep. Remember when he did he beat to... like 20 kids with only a nine iron once. I was just about to bring that up. That man. That was a cool tournament. Oh, yeah. Any man who can beat 20 kids using only a nine iron phrasing, but in golf, um, deserves to be unjustly rich due to sums that were not being paid to vendors. <laughs> <laughs> I find all of that funny and I need to unpack this. So one, yeah, no, of course he didn't beat us with a nine iron physically, like beating the shit out of us. Oh. That would have been a lawsuit unto itself, I am sure. <laughs> Do you remember that one time he like screamed at Nathan? No. Yeah, Nathan pulled his golf. He had, like, a rolling cart for his clubs. Oh, did he pull it on the green? He pulled it on the green, and Scott just stopped and hung him out to dry. And we were like, hi, this is our friend Nathan. He's played golf maybe twice in his life. How about you not? Mm. Yeah. So maybe he needs to pay some of that money. (laughs) Well, you know, I think we should have known that he was embezzling funds at that point. Yeah. <laughs> like, we should have had the wherewithal to say, clearly, this guy's a jerk. Let's see what other um, uh, you know, terrible things he's been doing. And then we should have audited him. Yes. Shame but, on us for not being concerned citizens. As a matter of fact, as, as soon as we saw him shoot darn near par at a course using only a 9 iron, we should have known something's up. Nobody's that good at something oh. without... <laughs> I, man I was a crook from stance. that minute forward for yes. sure <laughs> you remember there was that one kid who was like weirdly very good at golf who still played at the municipal course yep yeah I wonder whatever became of him do you remember the name at all because I don't 
No. He was just the big kid. The who big was good kid. At golf. Won the league. And boy, he did. He did. We were we led the league for a couple of weeks because we were like 800 handicaps for a while, right? Oh, yeah. That we were was, like, I was like 30. You were like 24 handicap. Yeah. Well, that's that's pretty accurate still. I can still probably beat you by about six strokes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not denying <laughs> <laughs> I thought that would fire you up, but you're just no. consigned to it. I appreciate it. One thing that's it. changed about my golf game is that the ball goes further now. It it certainly doesn't go any straighter. Not at all. Putting is still same as it ever was, same as it ever will be. Yeah, I think my only advantage over year is I can putt and I can actually pitch the ball. Oh, God. I cannot pitch. God, you just can't get up and down, man. It, nope. it's, I feel so sorry for you every time because I'm like, dear Lord, please help this poor child like figure his crap out here. And nope, just doesn't happen, man. Um, well, wow, we've talked about everything. Yeah. What else was on the list today? Oh, robot fans? Do we want to save it for a rainy oh, day? no. Or? I'd like to hear this. Okay. So, in Taiwan... Of course I want to hear this. In Taiwan, in Taiwan where there have been uh, fewer COVID-19 cases than other areas of the world, uh, they've been playing baseball since April, but, you know, they're still being safe. They can't have fans in the stands. They're Okay. They don't have that few of cases where they can do that yet. But Mm -hmm. uh, the owner of one of the teams, uh, shoot, I forget what the team name was. I know they had a, the Monkeys, the Monkeys. I don't know what city they're in. I just know their nickname is the Monkeys. So the Monkeys owner, he's (laughs) like, this is going to be awfully weird for the players. So he got 500 robot mannequins dressed them up in team colors, and what? shoved them in the stands. What? Yes. You're shitting me. Nope. Look it up. No, Taiwan but hear me out. Fans. I would like you to be shitting me right now. I am most certainly not. Okay. I'm so scared to Google this. <laughs> oh, my God. It pops up after Taiwan R. <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, dear Jesus. Why? Um, you love this? This oh, is so horrifying. But, but if we have to have a fanless return to sports, this is infinitely more entertaining than no. empty seats, is it not? I have a way better solution for you than this. They, they so, even have robot drummers. Like organ drummers? players. Yeah. Because apparently, what? like, that's the thing, that's the custom in Taiwan while watching baseball. They play like, the drums instead of the organ? Yeah. And they got robots huh. doing that, too. I, I so, want robots in every stance when sports come back. I want robot fans in golf when golf comes back. Um, no. So. Yes. <laughs> like, if you shank a drive, I, it should take the head off a robot. Oh, that would be great. 
I think we should just play like we should put little robot people out in Top Golf. Um, things, um, like driving ranges. That would be yeah. much better in my eyes. All right. So, what were you going to say about robots? Well, it's not about robots. It's about fans. But um, okay, one of the propositions I've seen is for the Premier League. They're thinking about letting in one fan from either team. Just the one, one fan, one fan, and then having a camera trained on them the entire time. Because what I really come like, what I really look at in other in fans watching sports is for reactions. Um, mm-hmm. Hugh Alabama kid from the Auburn game. Oh yeah, uh, classic classic moment. But um. You know, I tell you what, I think only one fan screaming at, like, decisions from my team is enough to get me through. It's not optimal, but I just need to know that I'm not the only one who thinks, like, someone's being a <laughs> But, yeah. No, it's but- interesting. I'm curious to see how it all – like, I understand you wanting to stay away from it, but I've been reading as much as I can to see how it all shakes out. It's uh, an interesting time to be a sports fan, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or what if, like, in the robot fans, they had, like, voice boxes in them and that, like, actual oh, fans could do chants and stuff through the robots? Oh, God, that's terrifying. That's so weird. What the hell? Who are you, sir? I don't think the players would notice. Like, they could squint their eyes and it sound like an actual game. I gotta tell you, I am loving this idea. I I couldn't hate this idea more. But okay, especially Justin. In, especially in golf. Like imagine you hit a shot in the gallery and the fans can't move away. So that's a whole new obstacle, baby. God. This is <laughs> confusing and dystopian and I don't know what the hell. <laughs> I love it. Oh, man. All right. I'm glad you love it, bro. Better robot fans than no fans, or maybe even one fan. I I really like the one fan idea. But uh, robot fans, you know what? I could live with it as long as they bring sports back. I just need sports back. Oh, my God. I want sports back. (laughs) I miss sports. Bring them back. Talk to you later. Don't do fraud. Don't do fraud. Don't be Scott, man.